0: Hi, and how do you do, everybody? It's your old pal, Ben Raskin. Uh, this is Trib Sports Radio, recorded live from the 7th floor of the Salt Lake Tribune offices on the 27th of May, 2014. I want to thank everybody who's listened to the previous two uh, podcasts for us. At, you know, starting a new show after getting done with doing the Treb Preps Radio, where we focus primarily on high school sports, it's kind of fun to getting this thing started. And uh, we definitely appreciate all the feedback people have been throwing back at us. Uh, before we jump into a great show today with the fellas, uh, obviously we've got Chris Kamrani, Aaron Falk, and our buddy Kevin Winter Morris. Uh, we will be joined today by our first guest. It's uh, going to be an uh, assistant beat writer for the Utah Jazz, Mr. Tony Jones. A heck of a guy, really funny fellow. Tons of stories out of him. Uh, before we jump into the show, we talk about some of the NBA, talk about the lottery, talk about RSL on this, this ungodly streak where they can't win or lose a game. or even kind of talking into some endurance racing that uh, we'll be focused on today. We would really appreciate it if everyone could take a moment and go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating. You know, uh, with over 500,000 podcasts out there, most of them talking about sports just here in Salt Lake City, we certainly could use all the help you can to kind of help us stand up above the crowd. So if you guys could give us a nice five-star rating or give us a one-star. If we earn a one, give us a one, but we sure would like the five. A uh, quick little review and uh, about the show, and if you put the hashtag burger into it, What we'll be doing is uh, we'll be doing a drawing and a raffle in a couple of weeks to give away some stuff to thank everybody for helping the show kind of kick off. So anyway, this is the uh, third and hopefully a long tradition of exceptional podcasting here from the seventh floor of the Tribune offices at the Gateway Mall in Salt Lake City. Uh, Here's episode three of Tribune Sports Radio. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, how we doing? <laughs> I am so How good. you doing? I'm doing so good, man. Chris Camaroni, how you doing, bud? Oh,
1: man.
0: I'm I'm going. I'm good. We've uh, my man Kevin Winter Morris. How you doing, buddy? And we've a special guest, junior Utah jazz beat writer Tony Jones. How you doing, boss? Junior. Well, he's he's a senior beat writer.
2: Nah, come on now. The, it,
3: I'm cool.
0: You're
2: cool? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the junior jazz beat. You're the junior jazz beat. That's, be that's my. That's my you seeing channel. any talent no. down there, man? Greg Foster. <laughs> Greg Foster
1: came to an elementary school in Heber City. Like my daughter's playing junior ago. jazz this year.
2: She got a free agent workout this summer set up too. Are you teaching uh, her? I mean, how everybody defend. else does. I mean, why,
1: why can't she? Are you teaching her how to defend the pick and roll? I don't defend. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so well, we've heard. just shoot the ball, let it fly.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we uh, we brought Tony on here because uh, after last week's lottery and where the Cleveland Cavaliers were able to take the number one pick, I was hoping that Tony could kind of walk us through the draft, what these top five picks are going to do, and where do you think Utah is going to fall with the selection?
3: Number one is going to be Joel Embiid. He's going to Cleveland. Back problems and all. Back problems and all. His background, have you seen his workout on YouTube?
1: Yeah. No. He <laughs> I feel pretty confident Chris has not seen
3: that. Okay, these are my top five. Okay, hit us. We're this. going Joel Embiid. Then we're going Andrew Wiggins. Then we're going Jabari Parker. Then we're going either Dante Exum or Marcus Smart. One of the two.
2: It's got to be right? Exum, right?
3: I'm telling you, if Marcus Smart goes in there and he kills his workout with the
2: Orlando Magic, He's got a shot. He had. I think he had his workout on Monday, right? Yeah. So it, it all
3: it all depends on how he does on his workout, and then uh, I think the Jazz will be uh, choosing between either Exum, Marcus Smart, uh, Noah Vonleh, uh, Julius Randle, and uh, Aaron Gordon. Those five.
0: Of those five, who do you like the most? Dario Saric.
3: I don't like Dario Saric. He's like Tony Kukoc, though. He's like a new school Tony Kukoc. Uh, of those five, you know it's. I think that you need to swing for the fences. Um, I w- I've I've always been a big smart Marcus Smart guy. I've always obviously I've been a big Dante Exum guy. Well, if Dante Exum is there, you take him. That's that's no brainer. Uh, but if he's not there, I mean I, w- I would I would narrow it between uh, Marcus Smart, Noah Vonleh, and uh, Aaron Gordon. Those those three. What
4: do you think the chances are that they trade up though? I mean, because they've got the the pick from Golden State later in the first round. They've they've got a collection of second round picks. What do you think the chances of the I are am
3: convinced up? Um, through talking uh, to 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 Dennis Lindsey and 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 people behind the scenes. Obviously, Aaron has done the same thing. I am convinced that the ch- that the chances that the Jazz try to trade up are a hundred percent. That 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 for that 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 is certain. Um, did it's it, gonna call, it's gonna take a King's ransom. I mean, I, I'm yeah. convinced that I think it would take uh the five pick. I would I think it would take the five pick, the twenty three pick. And Ennis. Uh Ennis Cantor and Golden State's Whoa unprotected two thousand and seventeen pick. Ooh. To get In to order, where?
1: To get to three. To get just to get to get the
3: three. Wow. Just to get the three, to so they could dra- draft to possibly take Parker. So, so
1: here's my question: Is the drop off from Parker and Wiggins that substantial to Exum and Smart? You know, I
3: don't, I don't know if it's that substantial, or not. I, I do think Exum is well. I, obviously, I think, I think Exum can be a star. I think that he's the best player in this draft among the guards off the dribble. In terms of getting to the basket,
1: st- you see
2: how he's he qualifiers <laughs> yeah. from
3: Australia. Yeah, from Australia. Who and ain't whose last name today. is <laughs> so, Um But Jabari Parker, I mean, he just so fits with the Utah Jazz because the Jazz their their glaring lack of scoring from the small forward spot um, is is just so significant, and the fact that Jabari Parker can come in. Tomorrow and score, 18 to 20 points in the NBA. Uh, I, I just think that the Jazz have to. They need an alpha dog, and it's sort of like what the Washington Redskins did with, with um with Rob Robert Griffin the uh, third. They traded basically two drafts to get them, and I think the Jazz have to do the, do the same thing. They have to figure out whether or not they they really want that franchise guy, and they have a bunch of assets, and at some point you have to use them. And and then you just you make sure Jabari
2: slides every time. Just slide. Just
3: Yeah, Here's
1: exactly. I, go ahead. Go. No, I was just going go to ask Aaron Anthony. So if you need an alpha dog, you need a scoring option. This doesn't take away from the fact that they were one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And when Dennis Lindsey was hired, he said that was a point of emphasis. So if Jabari comes in and you keep – something re- resembling the same starting five do they do they improve or are they
2: a worse defensive team i think i don't think well they can't be a worse defensive team right they can't be worse right. than 30 <laughs> and and you know i think that a, co- a coach i think that that's on a coach to to get those guys to buy into that and you know not the Ty didn't try obviously but it's it's on a coach to Figure out those schemes. Figure out what you can do defensively w- with that talent, and then get those guys to buy into because they're all like, incredible athletes. They're all able to move their feet and, yeah, and keep their arms out and, and make defensive plays. I mean that that's that's commitment. That more than anything else. I mean, there are some guys obviously that that love it, and and that's you know kind of a, a first or second nature of them, I guess. But um, to me, I, I think that's something that you could teach there. Now Jabari scoring, I don't think you could teach to anybody else. Right.
3: Well, here, here's what I think. I mean, let's say the Jazz trade up and they get Jabari Parker. Uh, let's let's just you know let's just make that argument there. That would that one move would help Gordon Hayward immeasurably, especially defensively, to where he he's facing Kevin Durant every night and LeBron James every night, to where you know he's he's physically. He's guarding you know, Kyle Korver. Yeah, he's physically okay, and he's physi- hes physically, you know, all right. He can guard those guys, but he's not going to have that much success. All of a sudden, you move him down to the two guard, where his his athleticism, his six foot eight body, he still has quick feet and really long arms. I think that would help him uh, defensively. And,
2: and it also gives it also gives Kevin Durant or or whoever else someone they have to guard on the yeah, other right. side to, to wear them down a little bit. You know, it's right now. I mean, if Gordon's the number one option, and he got a bunch of defensive attention uh, at the beginning of the year, but you really kind of saw it drop off because he couldn't make a shot after a while. Well,
1: I was going to ask, does that have to do with Gordon being so gassed, being, having to guard the other team's best
2: possibly, player? possibly? And I, I, but I do think that it would help out both right. ways for sure. And the
3: thing about Gordon, uh, the uh, big reason why he was gassed by midseason, I mean, he was handling a ton of the playmaking responsibilities sure. offensively. I mean, when you have to come down, listen, LeBron James. And Kevin Durant are the only two guys in this league that can pretty much initiate the offense, initiate the pick and roll, and score <laughs> all three of those things, and still be able to do it. Steph, you know, I mean, in in terms of just having so much responsibility, right. Right. you know, even Stephon, I mean, uh, I mean, even even Steph Curry, I mean, last year he had not last year, but the year before he had Jared Jack, and that took right. a ton of, and he had Andre Iguodala last year, right. and you know that allowed him to play off the ball a little bit. Um, if you're asking Gordon Hayward to come down, initiate the offense, you know, go to his spot, you know, go run a pick and roll. Oh, by the way, go ahead and make the shot, too. I mean, that, that's, that's quite a bit to ask uh, of one guy, especially in a position that Hayward was in where he was Get in the bulk of the minutes at his spot for the first time in
2: his career. Sure, but now, so. but now we're talking about dream scenarios, and right. we're we're talking about you know dating supermodels and things like that. We, uh, uh, that pick. Let's say they have to stay at five because odds are they're gonna have to stay at have five. To stay
3: at five, yeah. Odds are.
2: And and I li- I like what you said about swinging for the fences. I, and I think Marcus Smart has a bunch of upside there. Or. I mean, I don't know about Von Lay versus Randall. I mean, I'm not so opinionated on that one. But I do think Marcus Smart, with his size and kind of deceiving quickness, his ability to get in the paint, kick out to the wings, really opens up a lot of things. And he is a monster defender. I mean, I do think he could bring a lot to that team. The thing I like
3: about Marcus Smart, I mean, he's 6'3", and he's 230. And as you can see in the Combine two weeks ago, he didn't lose any of his athletic – you know, the Combine, the first day of the Combine, everybody was like, oh, my God, Marcus Smart is 227 pounds. (laughs) He is the heaviest point guard in the history of the Combine. And then on Thursday, they were like, oh, my God, Marcus Smart has the athleticism of Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook (laughs) at 227 pounds. So, I mean, when you have a guy that is – that physically imposing I mean let's keep it real Marcus Smart for a point guard in the NBA will be physically imposing on on most anybody with that kind of athleticism with that kind of bulldog mentality and that kind of competitiveness I mean this is a guy who played power forward and center on his high school AAU team you know if if Utah fans Utah fans don't really remember him from high school but he was the team – Marcus Smart's team is the team that put out uh, that, Utah, that Utah pump and run team that made the Final Four a couple of years ago uh, that was headlined by Jordan Loveridge uh, and, and, and a bunch of guys that are playing college basketball right now. That was Marcus Smart's team that they lost to. And man for man, they weren't as good as Loveridge's team. It was just that Marcus Smart.
2: So was it Marcus it was Smart just, on Loveridge?
3: It was Marcus Smart on Loveridge. That, that, whole, that whole game, it was, it was quite a battle. It's on YouTube. I saw it like, a bunch of times. <laughs> but the point being, I mean, you're not going to find a more competitive kid in this draft than Marcus Smart.
1: So here's my question, and sorry to keep asking no, questions. please. I'm embarrassed. If you draft Smart or Exum, what happens to Trey Burke? Because you can't have a 5'11", foot guy who can interchange in a starting backcourt who's going to have to – Yeah, guard... sure you can.
3: Phoenix did it this year.
1: It, okay. No Bledsoe, but Bledsoe. No, and Bledsoe are at least six two, six three. No, Bledsoe's like six foot.
3: Problem with Bledsoe is he's just a freak athlete, which Trey Burke isn't. Right. So there, there's the difference. Well,
1: that's what I'm saying. I mean, did if you take do you take Smart or Exum if they're there, and then say, Trey, you know, we got we like, have to we have something new for you. I mean, does he become? I think if you're the Jazz right now, you can't worry about that. Right
3: you got to draft who is best for your team, no matter what the position is, and then you got to figure it out later. Listen, th- these guys won 25 games this year. You know, I, I don't think they're in a position – Like, if I'm Dennis Lindsay, I'm not going to be like, yo, I can't draft Marcus Smart because I always have Trey Burke and he made the all-rookie team. I just can't do that.
1: First team?
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and then, you know, if, if you had both of them, one of them emerges as, as the better – the other one's either a backup or, or if they're both, trade you know, or, bait. or trade bait. I mean,
4: yeah, yeah, but you don't pick. You know, you say, well, one's a backup, okay, but then your first round picks in back to back years, and one of them is a backup now. It okay. worked for that Minnesota. They
3: play. took a point guard seven straight years. Kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, boy, that. that I'm, that I'm not. am not saying
2: <laughs> someone
3: find Johnny Flynn.
2: <laughs> I'm not saying that it's it's ideal, but I but. He's right. You take the absolute best player there. It's as simple as that.
4: At five, you got to take BPA. You you have you have to build a team though. At some point, you you have to build a team. You can't keep saying oh, point guard's the best one again this year. This is five years in a row unless you're the Detroit Well at, at some point, and that,
2: and that, at this point, they are building a team. They they have to add at every position. Right now, the point who's at point guard? Trey Burke, Deontay Garrett, who they picked up, who's and a you John know, Lucas and John the Lucas third. the third. Right.
4: But at some point, you have to put together a team. I mean, you have to say, all right, we believe that Trey Burke is an NBA caliber player who has the potential to be an all star. Because if you don't believe that, then you messed up last year's draft. Because they traded now, you've up. got a problem. They traded up against right. to I mean, you, too. Sure. I, mean, I know it's a different draft. Sure. But I mean, well, who says this smart and Trey Burke can't play together? And that, that's, I'm
1: and just That's say, what you have to Chris Kimron, you said it. Okay. I'm just saying if you have OKC coming to town. You got smart on Westbrook, and then you just say, "Trey, take care of Thabo for no, 20 you to can, 25 no, minutes." No, you switch or-
3: it. You say, "Trey, you know, guard Westbrook. Good yeah. luck with that." Yeah. yeah. And, then you, <laughs> and then you say, "You know, and 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 Marcus Smart can't guard Thabo." And the thing about the thing about this exact scenario, you can have Westbrook on Smart, and you can have Trey on Thabo because Thabo is nothing but a spot-up shooter. Right. He's not going to post you up. He's not going to take you off the dribble. He's not going to do anything on the basketball court to make up to, to make his six foot seven frame a mismatch for Trey Burke.
1: Sure.
3: Now, now. I guess I
1: came up with a bad example. Now, <laughs> so that, 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 that was. I'm now, trying I mean, to think. I mean, it, who it, has the best backcourt in the league right now? Golden State. Okay, there you go. Now nah, yeah. That, then you got. Then you have. Well, Trey
3: will guard Steph. Because
1: Thompson's a whole foot taller than Trey. Burke. Right.
3: So, but Trey will guard Steph. And, right. And Marcus Smart will guard Clay Thompson because right. Marcus Smart is six foot three and two thirty, Right. and with Russell Westbrook' athleticism—well, not quite—but you know, you get what I mean. Dude. Kevin, you don't seem like you're on board with this.
4: I'm not. I, I think that the the whole argument of best player available—I I think that's what really bad teams say that don't have a vision.
1: Matt, Matt Millen, uh, you said well, it. Well, then,
4: then, then yeah. if
3: that's the case, you, and you—if that's the case. Then you're you're automatically eliminating your options between Aaron Gordon, Noah Von and Julius Randle. Now, I happen to be, uh, from, from my days of covering the Utah Utes, I happen to be a huge Aaron Gordon fan. And, Sean Marion. You know, I mean, he's bigger than Ram- Marion. Yeah. You know, and with the worst him,
2: jump shot. With and hey, and his free he, throws, he, man. He, but I mean,
3: 45%. He he f- but he has good form. I think that his shot is correctable. I mean He says he has. He it, says he says he's fixed it. I really think his shot is correctable. He has a, a really nice tight form on his jump shot. And, you know, it's just a matter of it going in. I don't think, you know, it's it's not like Ronnie Brewer, where Ronnie Brewer's shot will never, ever, ever, ever get better and it will never, ever, ever go in outside of ten outside of ten feet.
2: Doesn't matter I how much chocolate milk he drinks. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I don't believe that with Aaron Gordon. I think that he can Develop Aaron Gordon is 18 years old. He is insanely athletic, and he is a small forward slash power forward.
2: That That's what it's, well, that's the question, though. Does he play – now you're looking at uh, that Ennis Cantor, Derek Favors, and, and maybe one one of those guys is gone. Cantor seems to be the name that gets brought up most often. But then is Gordon playing – is he playing the three?
3: He's going to have to prove that he can play. I think that he can guard the three. He can guard. Go- I think he can he guard. guard he can sure. guard anybody. I mean, the the guy is – that's the thing about Aaron Gordon. Like, when you look at Aaron Gordon, you look at Marcus Smart, if you draft either one of those guys, you are automatically getting an elite defender for his position. Automatically, not even a question. And you're automatically, especially when in Aaron Gordon's sense, you're automatically getting an elite athlete for, for his position. And Aaron Gordon, to me, I don't know that he's figured out what his position is. You know, he's still got some growth left in him. If he gets to 6'10", with with the skill set that he has, I mean, he can be – I mean, his ceiling is really, really, really high. And, and he's one of those guys where I think that you swing for the fences for. Because especially at five, even if Aaron Gordon – even if you take Aaron Gordon, you don't work out. It doesn't work out. At the very worst, you're going to have an elite defender who can score 10 to 12 points a game and grab you – Eight to nine rebounds a game off of sheer athleticism and hustle. There are very few players in this draft who play harder than Aaron Gordon does, um, and, and and that's another plus for him. It's for him. It's going to be all about skill development, how much he gets better. But he has an immense upside.
0: Tony, if you could look into your crystal ball for the next year, I mean, even with regardless of who we draft on this, uh, I mean, how good how good are the Jazz going to be next year? I mean, uh, really, it's going to be a one through? next year the year after that three year I mean when are we going to see the playoffs again I mean are we going to get 30 games even if we draft Wiggums
3: I mean everybody thinks that the Jazz are going to be terrible next year next year and I don't I just don't hold that belief I mean number one you got like a whole bunch of lottery picks on this team who should be rounding into that age where they're ready to win should be you you know you're talking about Derek favors you're talking about Ennis Cantor you're talking about um, um, Gordon Hayward and Alec Burks I mean those four guys have all been around. They're all at the end of their rookie deals. And they're all, you know, Derek Favors is starting their second deal next year. You know, those are, those are the guys who who should, you know, form a core that, that should be much more competitive. The reason why this team was bad, this starting five wasn't horrible this year. It's just that Dennis Lindsay set up the bench to be one of the worst benches of all time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you say, hey, you know, John Lucas the 3rd let's go ahead. Go ahead and be my backup point guard. You know, Deontay Garrett, come in off the scrap heap. Andres Beatrice. Yeah, Andres, we, so we, was we get, got you. So was Peters Corbin giving a wrong deal man, you know? I mean, listen, you got a ton of cap space on this team. You can go after Sean Livingston. You can go after Tre- uh, Trevor Ariza. From, from Washington. P. You're not going after Swaggy. Out Swaggy. Guys, don't listen to Chris <laughs> over here. <laughs> Nobody is going after Nick Young, Dang. a.k.a. Swaggy P, he is all Bill Orms, Dude. our old friend, who is the uh, Lakers beat writer. Um, I think that the thing about the thing about what Lindsay has this summer, he has cap space to go out and get a couple of free agents. He has a bunch of assets in the draft. I mean, this team should improve by ten to twelve games next year, minimum, in my in, in my estimation.
0: And uh, just one last question as we're looking at the playoffs right now. Uh, LeBron last night had a just a classic LeBron game, uh, taking down the Pacers. And uh, tonight, OKC is going to be. Uh, are they hosting yeah. San Antonio tonight? They're hosting. Uh, how far, uh, who, who do you have who have won the whole kit caboodle with this? I have San Antonio beating the Heat in six games. Six games? Uh, what have you seen so far from this playoffs that has been extraordinary for you?
3: I've seen extraordinarily bad officiating. <laughs> <laughs> But I've seen, I mean, I, what I've seen is that LeBron James is still clearly by
2: far the best player in the league. Awesome. Followed by Serge Ibaka, apparently. Followed
3: by Serge Ibaka. Serge You're Ibaka's the real MVP. <laughs> Serge Ibaka's calf. <laughs>
2: hey,
1: Lance Stevenson's a free agent. Bring that dude to Utah. <laughs> Let's you, get weird. Lance I, might as well. You might as you well. right
0: now, Lance Stevenson
3: in Salt Lake City would cause the universe to explode.
1: And that's what we need, man. That's our industry. We would write about it. it, it <laughs> the, would rapture. Be the
3: It would be the greatest moment of my journal.
1: It might. Lance
3: Stevenson, the, the press conference, introducing Lance Stevenson to Salt Lake City might be better than my two daughters being born. That, it might trump that.
0: This is officially the best Easy, show Janet. ever.
1: I was going to say Lance Stevenson and Swaggy P here. The two splashes. <laughs>
0: All right, we're gonna jump uh, moving from the well, we're gonna move over to the RSL and have Chris talk us about this sort of auspicious record the uh, Real Salt Lake have had. Um, They weren't able; they were shut out Rio Tinto last Saturday against FC Dallas. Uh, putting him at a 12-game not-losing streak. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Not-losing yeah. streak. Right. <laughs>
1: well, it's, you Sometimes know, tying, sometimes winning.
0: Well, you know, you think of, like, some great records that you would want to beat, like, is 56, uh, right. Wilt's 100 points, you know, and so even some bad ones, like Rashid Wallace uh, having 41 tech fouls, or okay. the 71-72 uh, Lakers with uh, 33 straight wins. But, I mean, this is almost like Brett Favre's interception rating, you know? I mean, it's, it's neither... It, this seems like it's not a no, loss. No, 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 no,
4: no, no.
1: I'm stepping in. Sorry, Chris. Go for it, man. No. Please talk more than I have to.
4: Yeah. <laughs> you gonna ask another question, Chris? I'm so many. Um. No, this is this is a good record. This is a, this is a successful record. Brett Favre throwing interceptions. Well, I guess it depends on your perspective. But that was a negative one. No, th- this is a good thing. Uh, th- is it my a, turn? Yes, Chris. And okay. What do you think, Chris? There you go. I asked a question.
1: My thing about this whole streak is that. It doesn't matter now because it's we just barely passed the first third of the season, meaning that there's now 22 games left yeah. in an MLS season. It's impressive to me because they've the last two games they've been without their three of arguably their best players. It's impressive that they you know maneuvered through so many early season injuries and they got results. And now they're the second best team in the league with three games to go, three really difficult games going into the World Cup break. And I think if you, if, the, if, they, if you would have told Garth Lagerway or Jeff Cassar, you know, we're going to give you, let's say they get results out of their two or their three next games, give you 27, 28 points going into the World Cup break, they'd be doing jumping jacks. So I think the, the, fun, the funny thing, the different thing about MLS as opposed to M- the NBA or, or NFL is that you're, you're building points to, to get to a certain level at the end of the season, meaning you want to win the league you want to win the western conference there are, there are other things at hand you want to win these things so you can get a spot in the champions league again in the concacaf champions league next year so i think getting results well you know some fans are upset that they've dropped points at home you're still building it's not like you're retracting i mean portland won the west last year and they have one win in their first 12 games they have, they have, like, ten points. They've, like, tied seven games and won one. And they were the team that everyone was looking at as, you know, the breakout team this year. Well,
2: that's well, what they did last year, too. I mean, they built, they right. built their entire...
1: Off draws. You know, yeah. They had, like, 15 ties. And they won the West. They won, like, 14 games. They lost, like, four times, and they had 15 draws. Going sp- so is the answer going back to the MLS shootout days that we talked about last week? Only if it's Tony Jones against Aaron Falk. Would I, be I was between would, the I would watch that. that would be phenomenal. Well, they, they go against each other. Okay. Right. I would watch. That. Tony's goalie, then Aaron shoots on him, then Aaron's go- goalie, and Tony shoots on him. But I would try to defend Aaron, and he'd just flop. No, you'd, you would run at him and try to tackle him. So many yellow As cars. the goalie. <laughs> I'd
4: be getting who's red the, Who's the official, though? Benny Raskin. <laughs> uh, Benny <laughs> Raskin wearing the yellow.
0: Uh, what did uh, with yeah? We're in the yellow. I was I was gonna say put Joe out there. I'd like to see him well, with a yellow and the redness of uh,
1: shirt pocket. That would be awesome. He would definitely go to shirt uh, pocket red red, <laughs> red, 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 red. red card red.
0: everyone. With uh, going up to Seattle though, this is obviously the probably the game that's been circling the calendar for him. Right. I mean, what did Kassar say about this uh, road trip?
1: Well, they they said that this is probably going to be the biggest test of the year so far. You're without Saberio, without Beckerman, without Ramondo. Granted, Seattle's without Clint Dempsey, their best player. He's with the U.S. as well. But you're going up to CenturyLink, where there's going to be 45,000 people on top of you. You're going to have guys like Cole Grossman, who's making like his fourth start with RSL in a really important spot against really dynamic players. It's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think you know it's the two top teams in the league. RSL is two points behind Seattle right now. It's um it's a huge test going into a really tough week. Garth Loggerway told me last week that this is he thinks this is the toughest stretch of the year. You're at yes. Seattle. How tough that environment up there? I mean, it's great. It's,
2: it's crazy loud. I mean, it's they they fill that stadium. I mean, they, as much as any anyone. Else. I mean, what RSL is bringing in? What what does that stadium hold? Nineteen thousand? Is that uh, right?
1: It's about 20,800 20, okay. Tops. 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 Okay.
2: And that and you're you're looking at double that plus change, plus change, and it's it's incredible. I mean, and those guys they get out of it. It's a really, really cool atmosphere.
1: Yeah, and I was talking to some of the guys today training, and they said that it's probably their favorite place to go play outside of Rio Tinto just because the atmosphere. You know, I asked Ned Gravavoy, how do you feel? He says, you feel like a professional soccer player. Wow. When there are, when they're, you know, 45,000 people chanting and banging their drums and throwing smoke bombs the entire game. So I think, I think this, I think this stretch is important. Obviously, Seattle, and then Wednesday, a quick trip to Columbus – so Jeff Kassar and staff, they decided to pull Jim Harbaugh, go straight from Seattle to Columbus and just hang out there rather than coming home. And then you come home three days later and you get Portland, a team that's obviously not playing very well, but a team that hasn't beat RSL in like the last 14 times. So I mean, they have, they have motivation. So I think, and then, then the break starts. So I think it's, these next three games are going to tell a lot about how they, how they get back going. I think June 28th at Chivas.
0: How long is the break gonna be before? 3 weeks exactly 3,
1: Three weeks,
0: weeks for the, for June 7th Day. to June 28th yeah with us uh, losing our uh having our guys go up to the world uh for the United States team uh, what's uh, have you heard anything about the Landon Donovan not being selected for the uh for the yeah, national I mean, that, squad what have the fellas been saying about that that
1: was a big thing i you know Matt Borcher said he was very surprised Jeff Kassar said he was very surprised but he said obviously Jurgen saw something that we didn't I mean you're you're essentially taking out the most decorated soccer player in the history of this country going into arguably the most important World Cup, the one that will get the most attention going into Brazil. It's a very interesting move. I mean, I I just you know, Jurgen and Landon have always had an interesting relationship starting when Landon decided to take some time off after LA won that championship. He went to Cambodia for like 4 or 5 months. Didn't want to be involved with soccer at all. That includes the Galaxy and the national team. And and I, obviously, I don't know, but I think Jurgen took that a little personally. I think you know when he was just starting leading this program, you have arguably your best player say, "No, I'm good. I need to take some time." I think that might have played a role in in essentially Jurgen saying, "Landon, thanks, but we don't need you right now." Take as much time as you want, buddy. Right. I mean, yeah. he he. He scored five of the country's last 14 World Cup goals. That's 35% of World Cup goals on one dude in the last three World Cups.
0: That's funny, though. I mean, but you think you might need some time after, you know, because you have the Olympics and the two year gap, then, you know, World Cup. I mean, it's, yeah. Like this guy's been on a, a, a soccer ball. Right. I mean, he's been playing for, since he
1: was 17. Yeah. He hasn't really stopped. Well, and yeah,
0: what is he, like 34, 35? He's, I
1: think he's 32. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you're on this. You never really stop because the MLS season's so long, and then, you know, you go on loan to EPL teams and Bundesliga teams, and it just keeps going and going. But it's definitely the most intriguing storyline going into this. I mean, tonight's the first international friendly in the send-off series. The U.S. plays Azerbaijan at Candlestick Park, kind of the last, outside of the Paul McCartney concert, it's the last thing Candlestick's going to host. So it'll be pretty cool. Um,
0: when I was out in San Francisco for that it was funny there was you could see they were even having all the signs they were kind of plastering the uh, the telephone poles and whatnot
1: Oh yeah. yeah Yeah I mean it's it's interesting I mean I don't obviously I'm not a, a US men's national team beat reporter so I don't I'm not really entrenched but it's definitely But you should be Thank you Tony You listening everyone out there <laughs> yeah. I should be
0: So I want to tell you a funny story of what happened to me this weekend though it in, happened, San Francisco? it in San Francisco to AT&T. Did you Park. leave your heart there? I, Sorry, was heart hard. was not left I'm, there. I'm leaving. <laughs> so we were. Uh, so we went out there for a wedding, and we we're sitting at the, the bleachers, that so Chris and I were talking about. That's where uh, Barry hit number 73 when he actually broke the record. And so they have the, the placard set up there and whatnot. And the fans out there, it's absolutely packed. It's a remarkable ballpark. You could have, you could not have undersold it more. You know, just between the the shoreline and the city and the backdrop and stuff. Uh, but Anyway, we're in the third inning, and uh, I remember going up to get a beer, which was eleven dollars. And as we were going back to our seats, they had an announcement on the big board where it said Josh Beckett just threw the twenty-first no hitter. And everyone started for the booing. The booing was so loud. It's like I thought at first because we're back was to the uh, the large screen. I thought you know for something something happened on the field that I missed, like almost a fight had started. And then there was this chant of chicken and uh, sorry, chicken and beer, chicken and beer. It went through the crowd where people started taking full beers and turning them upside down onto the bleachers. I mean, first and all, at eleven dollars. I don't think I hate Josh Beckett that much. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but the fan. I mean, what, uh, you've been to a bunch of games out there. What can you right. say about those fans, just as a fan, not as a reporter?
1: Well, well I've I've seen two flat out brawls. At at t Park. One, when I was at a Giants-A's game where, it, obviously both in the bleachers where yeah. all the rowdy stuff happens, just two guys just going at it that turned into a ruckus. And then another one was a Giants-Dodgers game, which was another. Which I, they
0: obviously hate each other.
1: Right, exactly. I I mean, they hate anything L.A. I mean, Northern California and Southern California, they don't get along. BLA st- I think the whole Beat L.A. chant started with San Francisco. I wouldn't be – Because, I mean, it, I don't think it originated here with – the 15-year rivalry that the Jazz have with the Lakers.
0: Uh, it's, we're, uh, I want to do a couple of quick things before we kind of finish off this podcast as we're hitting this mark here. But uh, this weekend, Kirk Busch, he raced in two uh, kind of iconic races. He did the Indianapolis 500 and then went down to Charlotte and did the Coca-Cola 600. So over the course of one day, he raced 1,100 miles. He didn't. Uh, Was he, it
4: Kurt? The, it, it, Right guy,
0: his engine blew out in the Coca Cola 600, so he didn't finish it. Yeah, I'm sorry, he didn't finish on that. Of
1: course, Kevin knows.
0: Of course. I don't know. But uh, it led me to, and I was talking with Kevin about this, about some iconic endurance races out there, and uh, kind of put together a list. I wanted to get you guys' thoughts, but starting off with uh, from probably worst to best would be the Badlands 135. It's a, a run through Death Valley to Mount Whitney in 120 degree heat. Not smart. Uh,
1: the, Not smart and don't want to do it. Uh,
0: tour de France, uh, three weeks, 2,100 miles.
1: Tour of Utah, <laughs> seven days all over Utah, and now into Wyoming. Chris in, Ronnie. You've done it, Chris. I've done it. In a car. In but a car. You, you have done it. I've done it.
0: Uh, 24 hours of Le Mans, which on, on average of 24 hours of racing, you do 3,300 miles. Uh, but It's a tandem you, race.
4: Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, Dude.
0: Uh, what about Kona Ironman, uh, 2.4 so mile that's, swim? That's
1: like the most gnarly thing.
0: 112-mile bike ride and a full marathon, 26.2. I'm two. doing that one. <laughs> You're doing it.
1: <laughs> I watched a documentary on this lady who, like, lost control of her body, like, 10 feet from the finish line. Straight up. Yeah. And she's like, I just I just did it. And I was like, man, good, <laughs> oh, man. good job.
0: Uh the last one was the uh, Alaskan Iditarod, which uh, I, I, learned a, I learned a startling fact about this. And certainly, as a guy who owns two dogs, uh, you're required to start with 16, but you must have six of the original when you finish. So they're anticipating a 10 dog drop off, and you could still be allowed to win the Iditarod. Can you imagine if, it was like, the Miami Heat were to take the to field uh, to go to court in the beginning of the playoffs, and they were allowed to lose, you know, almost half of their players to don't, they don't even
1: need half of their players, man. Fair enough. So That's
0: true. You got your lead guy pulling you across the line into Nome, Alaska, but the whole idea is that the team does it and 10 dogs can die and there's no problem. Oh, come on, Kevin. <laughs> You're the one who wanted me to do this. <laughs> I, I have nothing on the idea, <laughs> Rod. Nothing. Have we not
3: learned from Michael Vick?
0: <laughs> well, they
3: not, they're not what if, each other what about the dogs Michael <laughs> <laughs> terrible things
2: JP listen the
3: biggest mistake of y'all lives was letting me on this podcast not at all I just <laughs> want to let you guys know this and I'm coming back next week
4: no I I, mm. I, do, I do think you know you look at some of the endurance races that that are out there and I I think it. what well, Kurt Bush tried it for some reason that just intrigues me that he tried two two Auto races in completely different states. He had this whole regimen that involved. Did he have exercises. to drive to the
2: other race? No,
4: they. He flew, uh, so th- he flew from Kansas. Indianapolis Kansas down to, Charlotte. to it's down to Carolina in order to do it, and you know he. It took a lot of preparation. I I I do think that that's the thing about endurance races. Is you know you look at the the ones you just mentioned, Benny, and yeah the. They sound crazy, like 135 miles of running, not fun. Yeah, but um, you've done but a marathon. I have. You and I both have we, done it. We both don't. I mean, and not it's the training that yeah. that's the worst part. It isn't, I mean, the mental I'm, fatigue of the training is. Well, in game
0: day, you just do it. And I know it sounds yeah. stupid, but I mean, you go out with the crowds, you go outside, you're outside, right. and you just go that, ahead and pile them on, you know? Right. That's the
4: fun part. Like, the Tour de France, like, you're like, ooh, okay, well, I have to go out for a 100-mile bike ride by myself now. And you don't have all anybody yelling at you. Like Lance Armstrong, ooh, let's go ride around Texas. That's just boring in order to get ready. So the actual event is the, the fun part. What are you going to say, Falk? What do you got? Uh,
2: how, what's the farthest any of us in this room has ever run in one, one go? 26.2 miles. 26.2 you did, you miles. You did the marathon. The, I did you yeah. two. You both have done marathons. Yeah. I, Get out of here. I
0: did the first inaugural Salt Lake City marathon in 2004, and then I did the next three years of it. What I, was your best time? Best time: five hours 15 minutes. My worst time: seven hours 23. <laughs> you're,
1: a, you're a phenomenal human
2: being.
0: He is. And, for, uh, and then another And you buy beers that cost $11. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I've done
2: 2.6, maybe. A 5K.
0: Maybe. All right. <laughs> well, I did it, the first one, despite everybody, because I thought it would be, I mean, honestly, when the marathon came out here, I just told people, like, yeah, I'm going to go run the marathon. That was the one where I did in seven hours and 23 minutes. And the next year, my dad, who's a, actually a long-distance runner, a tight, small guy, kind of like C.K. over there, he started, well, you know, a skinny, good-looking guy like uh, C.K. But anyway, my dad, who's done, like, easily 35, 30, 40 marathons up to that point, we started running this race, and he started pushing me so hard where I was literally delirious after about seven miles. Like, I wasn't accustomed to these six to seven mile clips. I was running 11 and so, and, you know, my old man, I hope he's listening to this, I would tell him, it's like around the halfway mark, he goes, you know, this is officially the slowest marathon I've ever run, <laughs> as I'm with you, as we're down by the cotton bottom. <laughs>
2: so You didn't stop for a burger We did not beer.
0: stop for a garlic burger on the way up there, but, I mean, obviously I haven't done anything like this in, let's see, 2000.
2: So it would be 2,000. I haven't done anything like this in six years. What was the the fallout on your body? Like, what was the worst thing that happened to you at the end of this?
0: Uh, Of the two that I trained for, and I really did train for two, I trained for the third and fourth one I did. I did not train for the first and the uh, the second. The first year, I had nipple rash, back rash, and thigh rash so severe I thought it was third degree burns. Like, (laughs) I was absolutely incapacitated. And the second year, my feet were black and blue as if I had been caned. And I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of people who have been caned, but... (laughs) Hopefully, Literally, any of you out there that have you, been, <laughs> for all you's lifting out there, we're gonna start an outreach program. But no, I got. It <laughs> oh was like God. it was like I got hit with a baseball bat on both feet, and I couldn't walk for two days.
4: For for me, it was more the the leg muscles. It felt like someone had taken a hammer and just beaten the snot out of.
1: I've I've done Ragnar twice. Yeah, you've done, yeah, yeah, done the And more than physical, it's mental for me. Yeah. I'm not a strong mental. <laughs> I, am, I, am, I am so weak. I'm so weak. I might look in shape, but when you run eight miles and then rest for like three hours, sleep, and eat bad, like Chex Mix, and then you have to wake up at one in the morning and run another eight miles. You really question why one, and you just question like why do I even care?
0: Well, I've heard the fun of Ragnar is that it's not the running. In fact, the running part is the nice it's being thing, part, of the, part of the of team. Being part of the team yeah. and like, team you know, is a star. Yeah, yeah. I, sign
2: up for softball, slow pitch.
1: Oh yeah, Co-ed. beer league. S- small small plug. Um, my softball team played Robert Gurki's softball team last week. We lost by like 28 runs, but I had a hard single up the middle. That's <laughs> all that matters. Off Gerkey. All that matters. So, did,
4: did you uh, a little hot dogging done first? I tipped my
1: hat. <laughs> oh, there
4: <laughs> you go. <laughs> now, Benny, have you done triathlons? Because those are that's a different
0: animal. I've done a biathlon. I Bi? I swam a mile and then I did a 10k. Those don't yeah. count, dog. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I, I did I, didn't, I did a triathlon. Because uh, I'm a I'm a pretty nautical guy. I'm very buoyant, you know. I'm good in the water. I have no fear of aquatic monsters or fishes.
4: It, it it's more the other people you have to be yeah concerned yeah. about. They have I no am, no qualms about punching you in the head.
1: I'm terrified of everything aquatic. Whenever I'm in a lake, I think a giant beast is just gonna pull me under and i'm never lakes are
0: just me. slimy i'm mean, like in the oh, ocean yeah. i mean in the well, ocean was oh, real... get you it's gonna get you
1: giant carp are in utah yes there have been like 40 pound carp pull out of like but there's r- been r- zero reservoirs.
0: carp attacks <laughs> in the recorded history of utah
1: river monsters bro
3: <laughs> see I, I don't do things i try not to do things that if something goes terribly wrong it can end up in your demise
2: like I think digested by something. <laughs> I think that's a just that's a smart life decision. It's you like, know, I don't
3: go swimming in the Everglades you know, <laughs> because there are anacondas and gators. And, and gators. I all saw over that the movie. Place. I mean, there, there was a story. movie. as a
0: documentary. <laughs>
3: there, there was a story one time. Uh, there was a story one time. I, for all of those out there, before I came to the Salt Lake Tribune, I worked at the Daytona Beach News Journal um, down in in Daytona Beach, Florida. So there was. Um, and, uh, an Associated Press story uh, running of a, of a tourist from Virginia. She was 25 years old, uh, very attractive lady, um, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, who was running in the Everglades along the banks and got picked off by a crocodile. <laughs> Stand and, up. Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: And she's gone. So the point being, while this is <laughs> this is this was a, a very tragic story. Why are you running along the riverbanks of the Everglades? Wow. Why are you jogging there? Like, what you know? <laughs> a
2: treadmill, you know? There's
1: a 24 hour fitness here, you. You can get some great <laughs> run in with Tony Jones. Yeah. He's running a pick and roll at a gym near you. <laughs> Let's end it. Let's go. Simulating CP3, baby. <laughs> It's All right, over.
0: guys. Hey, thanks. This has been week three of the Tribune Sports Radio. For Chris Camrani, Aaron Falk, Tony Jones, Kevin Winter-Morris, I'm Ben Raskin. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. That's what I'm
2: Tremendous.
4: Tremendous. <laughs>